Again, this is Buck Benny speaking. I am joined by my friend Jim and my friend Bob, and we are excited to present, uh, start presenting anyway, uh, season three of Picard, which this episode is titled "The Next Generation," which totally makes sense because it is uh, featuring, starting to feature some of the Next Generation cast, and this whole season is kind of a pseudo goodbye to the Next Generation, a closing chapter to the next generation though certainly everyone involved with the show has said if it's popular and people like it and so forth a number of them would love to keep on doing more things i don't know if i mean who knows oh and and by the way of course watch the episode before you listen to us we're going to throw spoilers out there and everything and we're not going to pay attention to whether we're spoiling something for anybody so so don't listen to us until you watch the episode but i've heard you know uh, there's been hints that maybe picard is going to die at some point this season or something who knows um but certainly the the other cast members would like to carry on certainly Patrick Stewart has made it sound like he's not going to die because he says he'd be willing to do another movie and things. So I don't know what that is, if that's a red herring or what's going on there. But uh, anyway, we'll just uh, chat about what we see in this first episode and, and what folks are. I was delighted to hear that the Next Generation cast was going to come back. I knew that Patrick Stewart originally, when he was pitched Picard, was like I don't want the this is not a redo of the next generation this is Picard's story but then when he had the episode in the first season that featured Deanna Troy and Riker back when they were the whole the famous pizza oven episode <laughs> yeah, the I think he had a change of heart he realized how well those scenes went and things and so then I think he opened it up and from that point forward it took them a year to know this. So season two could be kind of a little bit of a wait. They're like, okay, season two was kind of a pause. And you can sort of tell this in that season. That it was kind of thrown together as a holding uh, placeholder until they could get to season three that was going to, ha- where they could work with and do contracts and storyline and everything else for all these folks to make their reappearance. So anyway, that's, that's what I know, but uh, let's go with, uh, Let's go over to Jim. Jim, what did you think of this first episode? Do you, do you think it uh, did a good job of bringing back some of the old characters? And uh, just a, as an episode of its own, does it stand up well? Well, first of all, I need to talk to my makeup person. It makes me look like I drink like six bottles of, of alcohol at night here. <laughs> well we don't need to worry about that too much because this is one of those episodes that's going to be audio only so it doesn't matter oh oh okay (laughs) well that's fine um no um yeah i i I like this this episode is a a standalone episode i like that they kind of started getting into it really really quickly a lot of the or the the previous two seasons kind of took a while to build up 
you know, you, you, and to me, you almost kind of, because it is such a, a short uh, season, it, when you take two or three episodes to just kind of get into the story, you, you know, you're already a third of the way through almost and, and, and you haven't really got anywhere. So I love that it started off much, much faster. Yes. Um, you know, so I, I, I like that. And now, you know, we're kind of into the whole meat of the story and we're only a couple of episodes in. And, and so I'm, I'm enjoying that. Right. The only thing I, I don't love, but I get it is the whole, um, it's a little bit, well, they try to compensate for it. Uh, it's a little bit of the damsel in distress thing. I don't know if picking, uh, Dr. Crusher as the person that's having the problem was necessarily the best, but I don't know. It's it's Picard has certainly a um uh what a deeper connection to Beverly than almost any other character. Mm-hmm. And certainly they bent over backwards to establish that she's can fight and she I mean she has the biggest action scenes probably in in the episode as far as hand-to-hand combat sort of thing so uh, and that was exciting to see her that way certainly the actress has mentioned in interviews that she loved the way they brought her back she feels like in the films they're just trying to service so many characters within a, a two-hour format that a bunch of them just get a, a line or two of of dialogue that somewhat interesting and then but they don't have an arc they don't have anything like that whereas in a 10 episode thing you can really feature a lot of people to a greater extent and she says she's definitely benefited by that plus she's also said that that the whole star wars star wars great star trek um uh line of 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 shows on paramount plus have from the beginning featured female characters more than they ever have been and giving them more to do and all of that. And so she definitely uh, respects that. So, so there's that too, but um, yeah, I agree, Jim, with, with everything you said there about it being a fast start to the, to the whole thing. And uh, I was delighted with it, Bob, what are your thoughts? So I think this is, you know, cause they changed cast pretty much. So yes. they, they kind of had to do the, get the crew back together so I think the first episode, you know, you got uh, Riker and Crusher and Picard together. So you, you have that aspect of it. It also has sort of the same format as the other two. It's kind of the mystery thing. Yeah. It's like that's like where or sort of mixed into the plot line is that there's this mystery, which is kind of how like the other seasons were. Agreed. I, I, I enjoyed it. Um I mean, it seemed like you're saying it seemed consistent with the other seasons, so it doesn't seem like it's completely a different show that's just rebooted out of nothingness. It seems like, okay, this carries over. And like you say, last season exited a bunch of the characters because they knew getting ready for this season they needed to to clean the boards because they couldn't feature all those players. And they only kept 
besides Picard, essentially two people, which is just uh, Seven. And then, and I like the way Seven's featured in this. I think it's interesting that she has conflict with her captain and everything, and that's good. And then it, uh, with Rafi is the other one that's Rafi. that's going to be featured. I don't think, you know, it's hard. I watched the first two episodes, and we're going to be talking about the first two. I think Rafi was featured more in the second one. I, I think she yeah. had a scene or two in the first one, but not much of anything. Uh, yeah, I think she established that she was on a separate sort of mission thing, and uh, and that was well, the, sort of it. But anyway. Yeah, I think that just didn't it. The first one didn't it kind of end on the destruction of the the recruiting thing? The uh, maybe recruiting thing. that was. I think that was the second one. Second one. I, I thought it ended right ended. there, and then and then and then the first one, one ended where 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 Picard ends up on uh crusher's ship and then there's that other big alien badass ship, ship show. Show. Yeah. Yeah. i think that is ended on that cliffhanger well and they keep on it's so funny in the interviews and things they talk about how this ship is the most amazing ship they've ever designed it's the scariest looking ship and everything and all i think back to is it reminds me a heck of a lot of the ship that they featured on uh, uh what the first was it the first uh, Star Trek uh, of the new movies with Pine and things? Was yeah. it that, where yeah, they had uh, that giant yeah. pointy ship just like this one? And it was essentially a very similar design. And it looked menacing. I'll give them that. But it just doesn't seem to me like they should be saying, oh, this one. And, and they never mentioned that as like anything. It's like, well, you know... <laughs> Something very similar has existed. That was equally scary. But anyway, whatever. Um, uh, anyway, but Bob, um, what, what, I, I interrupted you. What else did you think about this episode? Or what else did you like? Um, yeah, I thought it was fast paced. Yeah. It got got to the point quick. Uh, actually, you know, another thing is, I guess everybody hates the new captain. Yeah. I You're supposed like to. I actually kind of like him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. You're kind of an idiot. So it's... <laughs> you, you didn't catch up on the, the clues that you're supposed to hate him and not like him. You no, know? I, I got that. But he's, again, also, pick up. he's also right, though. Like, if you did all the stuff that they did, they you probably would really be dead, right? Right. You he's a, he's a realistic... Time. You're bringing a realistic guy into critically looking at the things that they've done, right? Anybody would say, I mean, they're legends and so forth because that's what we want them to be. And and that's what, and everything turns out in their favor, right? And throughout the, but the stuff that they did, all kinds of breaking the rules of, of um, Starfleet and whether it's Kirk, whether it's Picard, it doesn't matter. They all have to, it, to make an interesting show. It's what you have to do. And so you, if you were to look back on that with a critical eye, you'd go, man, you guys were just these crazy out there guys who got really lucky a whole lot of times, saved the universe a bunch of times. But it's like, ah, that's not my thing. My thing is I do my mission. I do it well. I, I'm I'm more of like a, a, a naval officer. I'm not I'm not here to entertain anybody with my with my uh efforts yeah. and things right so it was cool just to see that perspective brought in because yeah. it's always like, oh Picard's like a god i mean this guy's kind of like me it was just different from seeing yeah. why you saw normally right and i liked him better than they've they've had other people like this 
that have questioned things and not shown respect, but they've always been kind of jerks. I mean, complete, you know, where you, they're designed for you to hate. This guy's designed with that too, somewhat, but his is more based on reality or based on, yeah, I get what you're saying, Bob. Uh, I don't hate the guy. The only thing is as a character, as a, him existing from the writer's perspective, I'm like, I don't love him in that every minute he talks is a minute that I don't get to spend with Picard talking or Riker talking. I mean, I realize as a plot device, you can't just have these guys just enjoying each other all the time. But gosh, I love having Riker and Picard together and and that whole they they described it. The writers described it as kind of they wanted to have a Butch and Sundance. You know, moment with these guys. And and you sort of do. I mean, I love the part where they they're they're going to uh, get on the ship and they're talking about as long as we don't have to shoot anything or move, we're going to be fine, you know, or, or whatever. And it's like it's realistic. I mean, they're they're old guys and they're <laughs> they're trying to act like, oh yeah, we're going to do this thing and we're going to be, you know, but uh, it, it it doesn't happen that way. So uh, that and and I love the scene where they're on the bunk beds in the same. That's the cabin he gave them. <laughs> and uh, that Riker has to have the top bunk, of course, and then Picard has the bottom bunk. I, I just I just thought that was a lot of fun. Uh, I don't yeah, I don't think this character will go on very far, but I didn't I didn't hate him. I thought it was a little bit refreshing to have a different point of view. Yeah, uh, my assumption is he'll be dead in episode three, but who knows? We'll we'll find out, right? It's like he, he's he served his usefulness to be kind of a fly in the ointment, and then eventually you go, okay, they've got to get to the real bad folks, and so they need to jettison him, and Picard has to take over and stuff or whatever. But so uh, you think they're just going to remain on this ship? Then I don't know. I don't know. We shall see. But. Uh, um, I'm trying to, and it's hard because we've seen both episodes. I almost want to talk about the second episode too, but I, I personally, uh, of the two episodes, I will say that I enjoyed the first one more than the second. The second seemed more of a kind of filler, kind of the, you have to do a lot of explaining of what's going on and who's where and what they're doing. And that, whenever you do too much of that, it slows down the plot. So you got to keep the plot moving and yet also explain things. And there's going to be a lot of explaining to do as they introduce all these different characters. So I liked how the first one pretty much, it was like, okay, Picard has a situation with Beverly. He's going to go grab his buddy of Riker and they're, and they're going to do this together. It makes sense. And she has these action scenes and they get some resistance and they bump into seven who's there. So they've now got four characters in play without having to spend a whole lot of time on why people are where they are and what's going on. So uh, kudos to the writers for, for pulling that off and goodness, the, the production quality, you know, the other seasons of Picard have been pretty good, but this just jumps it right up to movie quality pretty much. There's a big jump in, in the ship and how good the ships looked and everything else, I thought. So did you guys notice a jump in quality? Yes, the other seasons had sucked. So <laughs> I oh and the 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 nitpick I'll take on Jim's point 
<laughs> I do think if you rewatch the first episode or two of last season, mm-hmm. I think they started off fast. I think they started off almost of this quality. Even even the cinematicness of this episode, I remember the first couple episodes of the second season had a little bit of that, and we were like, "Boy, are they going to keep this up?" And they didn't. They they kind of fell into slowing things down too much and and us having some issues with with the second season um this one hopefully that doesn't happen hopefully and and it seems like it won't because they've got so many characters to work with that that they're gonna have to keep the pace flying pretty fast i would think um so yeah uh my thoughts on this one probably i'd give it a 10 out of 10 on my scale um what what do you guys think on on out of comparing it to not to other Star Trek, but I mean comparing it to Picard? What how high would you place this on your one to ten? Ten being a one of the best Picard episodes. I, I'd give it something like a nine or something like that. Okay. I mean it was it was it was a good episode. Yeah, uh, you know I, I I find myself personally when I think about the prior seasons, I can always remember the first season. But the second season, I always keep forgetting what actually happened in the second season. Right. I have to keep, you know, remind thinking, right. like, what did they do in the second? Oh, that's right. That's what they the did. The Borg Queen and all of that stuff, at least at the beginning of it and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the, the actress that just that played the Borg Queen just passed away like a month or so ago. Yeah, she did. Time. She did. And they did a little tribute to her on. On the ready room, it wasn't on. I don't, they maybe mentioned her in the credits on somewhere in, in this first episode. I don't remember, but it was a really nice tribute that that Will Wheaton did to her in, in the ready room, and um, made me tear up a little bit because he, he did a good job. Um, and Bob, uh, what? How would you rate well, this episode? Well, you kind of ruined it for me when you took all the rest of it out because I got to reserve a ten for like the balance of terror. And so- <laughs> So, so well, I said compared to Picard. I didn't say yeah. compared to no. If I was if I was to balance it against Balance and Terror, all those things, it probably dropped to a seven or something. But I'm just saying, as as far as Picard goes as a series, I'd give this a ten. So if I don't give it a ten, there must be another episode that's the ten. Um, yeah, I think nine. Yeah, nine somewhere. I mean, for Picard, it was a good a good episode. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. And then we used to always talk about which character we think got service the best in this episode. I'm going to go with Riker. I'm going to go just because I love the actor. I love the way they written him this time. They're really taking a lot of the actor and merging him with the character now, because certainly Riker on the original series wasn't quite as what? Uh, one-linery and and wasn't so at ease with himself, but it's also the characters aged, you know, two decades. So who knows what would happen? He's just mellowed out some with his age, but you certainly can feel in everything he does a total reverence for Picard. Uh, a a uh, their friendship means everything to him and. You know, you don't even have to question whether he would die for this man. I mean, he he, he just would. I mean, it just yeah. So, so yeah, I give it I give it to Riker in this episode. But I don't know. Um, 
let's swing back over to Bob. Bob, what, who would you think did the best job with the, their character, with their acting, with how how the writers wrote for that character? Is there any character that stands out? And I was going to go with Jim. Um, yeah, probably Riker. I was still trying to think about it. I think it is probably Riker in this one. Yeah. And Jim? Yeah, I would I would say the same thing. I mean, you don't really see anything different from Picard or you know some of the other characters. Right. Uh, you know, uh, well, I mean, Beverly, you certainly do. We've never yeah, seen Crusher like as an ass kicker before, but she's a she's yeah. a little bit she's a little bit a cross between Doctor Crusher and Sigourney Weaver tied together in this one. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't really buy that though. Right. That 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 just seemed kind of strange to me, you know. Out of like, character, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't really didn't really buy that. It was like, uh, I don't know about this. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. To me, it's like when we learned that Seven was like a ranger and Seven was uh, had this maverick thing that Seven was doing in season two. Um, it. And, or season season one, I think uh, Picard is where we have yeah. that. But that worked for me because I could take the character that was Seven of Nine and go, after these years, I could see her morph into this version, right? With Beverly Crusher, something drastic would have to change to change her personality that much to be this person that was more of... Uh, yeah, I mean, she reminded me of either Sigourney Weaver in, in Aliens, an alien, all, all those series, those movies, or she reminded me a little bit of, oh, the character in Terminator that's the, the, the female, it's Linda Hamilton is the actress who plays her. But anyway, of that sort of brash, tough, where you're going, oh, man, there's tough as a guy and, you know, or whatever you think in your head. And it works for it works for Zagroni Weaver. It works for Linda Hamilton. It works for Seven. Doesn't work for for the Beverly Crusher character. Not so much because when I see Beverly Crusher in my brain, it goes back to her relationship with her son, her um, in the series, and her always, you know, being the doctor, being the helper, being the. She was never the. He, he, they right. never even put her in situations where she had to be the. A tough person in Star Trek. I mean, they, they did that a couple times to Deanna, put her in in charge of the ship or something. It still didn't seem to fit, but at least they had precedent with with Crusher. I don't even know if there's any precedent for this whatsoever. But anyway, fair enough. Anything else we want on this episode? I guess just that the whole year will go down probably three notches because they took Soji out. <laughs> <laughs> oh and uh so lies are gonna get as a seven how how i guess the other question the last question will go is uh how excited are you for this season <clears throat> compared to like after you watch the first episode of season one or the first episode of season two are you more pumped for this season less pumped where, where are you at with that i'm i'm looking forward to this season more i think yeah. You know, I'm I'm uh, really looking forward to it. And, and were you a big Next Gen fan when it was on TV and stuff? Did you watch it most of the time, or I don't know? 
I mean, it wasn't like I wore my uniform all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, everybody's off duty sometimes, so you know. Yeah, exactly. No, no, I, no, I, I I would watch it uh, on a regular basis. You know, it was one of the shows I watched, but I I wasn't, you know, like some geeked out person that. Right. uh, I mean, I wasn't like a loyal follower that had my own uniform. I wasn't up to that level of being (laughs) such a. A good fan of the show. Good save. In case there's anybody out there that has their own uniform, um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I, I enjoyed the show and 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 watched it, but I wasn't, you know, like just overly it's like, right. Oh, Star Trek kind of thing. Yeah, I I think I would guess of of the three of us, I was probably the most into it. I mean, I I really liked it, and then. Uh, I I liked how it improved from the first season to the second season, and then when it got to the third season, it got to the whole best of both worlds with the Borg. Those are some great episodes. Those are some of the best Star Trek in history, and so um, I really enjoyed that whole series of Next Gen. So for me, I'm really looking forward to this one more than season one, more than season two. Uh, and I, part of it too is the films kind of got steadily worse as they went and so they they went out like on a whimper and it just seems like it'd be nice to have a nice strong ending to uh what the next generation was but bob what what are your thoughts on uh, how much you're I, this season we're not talking about two but i was hooked at the end of two because of the mystery part you know how i'm with like mystery shit so yeah stuff so, so i was like after one i'm like it's kind of cool to see the whole cast for two i'm like I went now I want to know what's going on. So they got me sucked into that sort of rabbit hole that they're gonna yeah. go down. But but that probably happened much sooner with this season than it did with the the prior seasons, right? Because they started off faster, I think. Well, two I I mean, the, the thing is you gotta remember too, Jim, I don't think you're remembering too clearly the beginning of it, because it set up the mystery like quick with the whole Borg thing. They went to the Borg not the Borg planet. They went to a planet and got there like the mystery figure. I mean, they, they were all, they changed, they changed hit. The Borg had changed history. So it was like a fascist thing. I mean, there was a lot going on those first two seasons. It was crazy. Two episodes of the second season. Yeah. I think the first season, the mysteries like already in in one, he got dodged. Soji gets, one of them gets killed and they have the whole scene where she, Gets activated and wipes them out. You're like, oh, that's cool. true. That's that's really cool. She's she and she's blindfolded and still takes them out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that. So, but uh, yeah, so that got me interested, and I want to know what what this bad this badass yeah. ship is about and all that. What's going on with the Red Lady? Well, I I think with this series, it's so interesting that every season has been really different from the last every season's a a new completely different journey completely separate thing in some ways um the second one certainly got trashed by a lot of people i enjoyed it like i said if you take the second season as just a joyride that you're on with picard and, and the and the characters then you're fine if you sit here and question every single choice that was made and go well that's just a wasted screen time it didn't get them anywhere but if it was just a fun action thing that they did it was okay the first season 
is this deep psychological thing that goes into death and life and everything in that way and does a wonderful job of it. I love the data, how it it redeemed kind of data. In, In some ways, I look at that first season as dealing with the fact of data and the way he died so inconsequentially in, in, in the last film nemesis. And it's all about how uh, to redeem that character and make that character have a more worthwhile death. Then the second season, like I say, is, is more of a, of a romp and just a, an enjoyable thing. That's, that's fun to spend time with. And this third season is kind of where they're they're going and they're saying, okay, we're going to give everybody a great send-off uh, is sort of how it feels. But you can't just have that be, oh, this is the send-off season. you got to have it actually have a story and actually have something meaningful. So, But that's where this seems to be going. Is Brent Spiner going to be in this year? Or is he done? Yeah. Yeah. He's, but yeah, he's he not going to play Data. Yeah. Yeah, not going to play Data. He, he's he gonna might. be somebody before before data. Yeah. He, <laughs> he could. I mean, you never know. He could show up as one of the various Soong characters yeah, that he's played. Yeah, or a new Soong. There could I mean <laughs> who knows when, when we're ever gonna run into the end of the Soong people. But uh but or, no, or, it yeah. looks I mean, certainly from the previews and everything they've shown it, it's gonna be lore that he plays. Um no, before. Before is the other character, yeah. Yeah, I heard that that they're bringing it's it's going to be before, not lower. Not lower. Not before lower. Than before. Yes. <laughs> it could, like I say, theoretically, he could he he, he can't really play data because they they certainly have kind of laid down the that that's not going to happen. But he certainly could play before, or yeah, he could play. That's what I. Heard. Or he could play lore, or he can play before and lore. Or he could be play before lore and a ver- uh, some variation of soon because all of those things are possibilities. So, and it would not surprise me if they played all three, though I'd really doubt they'll do it. But if they're gutsy, they could do that. <laughs> you would think that how how many other times they've had him come in and play one of the soon characters? <laughs> Somehow they're going to work that in. Yeah, somewhere. <laughs> where they bring him back because it's the same character that he was playing, you know, before. So I, I, I think somehow they'll try to bring him back. Yeah. It'll, it'll be, even, even if it's just like one scene or something yeah. like that, they'll probably do something. My feeling is just for the way we've seen the uh, previews, the trailers and everything, is that it would not surprise me if of everybody on this series, we get the least amount of Brent Spiner, where he's maybe just in a couple episodes or something. Because it just doesn't feel like they're showing him that much. On the other hand, he could be the main baddie or whatever in the last three or four episodes, for all I know. But uh, it just, that's the impression I'm getting anyway. But uh, anyway, we'll we'll let him go with that for this episode, and then we'll talk about episode two. So um, enjoy this, and uh, check out for our chat about episode two and beyond. So thanks, guys. Live long and prosper.
Star Trek Picard is back. This week I chat with Admiral Jean-Luc Picard himself, Patrick Stewart, and Gates McFadden, a.k.a. Dr. Beverly Crusher, a.k.a. My Space Mom. Showrunner Terry Mattala stops by to chat about season three. We look at the relationship between Admiral Picard and his faithful number one, Captain Riker. And we take a deep dive into the history of everyone's favorite intergalactic doctor, the aforementioned Beverly Crusher. So commandeer a shuttle and make your way to the ready room. Hey nerds, I'm Will Wheaton, and this is The Ready Room, your official behind-the-scenes hub for all things Star Trek Universe. This week's Season 3 premiere of Star Trek Picard sees Admiral Picard and Captain Riker embark on an urgent mission to rescue an old friend. But if you need a 20-year-old codec to decipher the mission's details, now might be a good time for a red alert! We'll be conducting a senior officer inspection of Season 3, Episode 1, The Next Generation, best episode title ever, that will take us deep into spoiler territory. So if you haven't had your mind blown by this kickoff to the epic final season of Star Trek Picard, meet up with your BFF, watch it, and report back here to The Ready Room. I have been looking forward to this season of The Ready Room for months. As I'm sure you can understand, the next generation is dear to me, and there is not another person on this planet who is more excited than me to talk to the cast and creators about the next adventure in Picard's story. I'm joined this week by two people I love deeply. Patrick Stewart, who of course plays Admiral Jean-Luc Picard, and Gates McFadden, who is back as Dr. Beverly Crusher, to talk about everything that went down in the season premiere. Executive producer Terry Metalis is also here to talk about what's ahead in the final season of Star Trek Picard. This week's episode sees Jean-Luc Picard and William T. Riker set off on an old-fashioned road trip together. Later, we'll explore the decades-long friendship between the captain of the Enterprise and his former first officer. But first... Can I just say how happy it makes me to see my space mom back in action, kicking ass and taking names on a starship? She's brilliant, strong, fearless, and she says I'm cool. Well, don't let it go to your head. But for those of you who may not be as familiar with Dr. Beverly Crusher, we've put together a special look at the galaxy's finest physician to help bring you up to speed. Control room, engage. Warning, security breach. Hull damage. Unauthorized docking. They found us. I think I heard first from Jonathan, who said, hey, they're thinking of asking some of us back. Helios, activate warp drive. Stand by. Warp drive charging. I had no idea that I was going to be asked. So that's what happened, and that was just fantastic. No! Helios, no! divert all power to the warp core. Working. One of the best things about seeing Gates in Picard season three was that she was a badass action hero when we met her. She was on sort of a renegade ship. She looked like a uh, like a hired gun. Unauthorized docking complete. Intruder alert. It was an entirely new Beverly Crusher, which I think uh, she enjoyed and I think the fans are going to enjoy as well. We knew early on we wanted to kick off the season with Beverly Crusher. It's something that was very near and dear to all of us, and even the first shot of Beverly popping up into frame was one of the first things we talked about in the writer's room. Uh, We didn't want to wait. They found us. And I think the first thing you notice is she's not in Starfleet. 
it's not the Beverly Crusher you remember. And the first thing that she's doing is uh, defending her home, her ship, the Elios, uh, in a rather aggressive way, in a way you've never really seen Beverly do before. It's been 20 years, 25 years almost, since we've last seen her. Uh, so we wanted to make it clear there's some story here. What happened to Beverly Crusher and why? There's no better way to do it than drop her right in the middle of a gun battle. Uh, what is clear is that she's had a lot of combat now uh, because she's been running away from people trying to kill her son and her for a while. I don't think she has changed in certain ways, not in terms of action. I think she had had some action before. I think what's changed is that she is allowed to be more involved and be more there on the bridge and that she has a range of skills, which when you think about it, anyone up on the space station, they have to be able to take over for anybody. So you have to know how to pilot a ship. You really do have to know how to do many different things. Elios, prepare to send a transmission. Subspace frequency Myriad Codec. System prepared to transmit. State your recipient. This message is for Admiral Jean-Luc Picard. Admiral Picard. I'm encoding this transmission with coordinates. Beverly. Picard's relationship with, with Dr. Crusher, I think, had aspects that many of our fans wanted to see develop into a much closer and stronger relationship. Now that we know how each of us feels, perhaps we should not be afraid to explore those feelings. And in Next Generation, it never really did. You even tried to be lovers, didn't you? <laughs> tried is the operative word. But maybe you're the one person she still feels she can trust. Um, I think they have a complicated relationship. And that makes it really interesting. I think we see him disturbed by what he receives and what might be the problem with her. Coupled with the fact that he's also angry with her too. She disappeared out of his life. Jean-Luc. Why did she cut everyone off? Me, Deanna, and Jordy. There had to be a reason. I think he knows that she would not be contacting him just to say hi. <laughs> so that changed everything to realize that um, there's this whole other story that's been going on. Uh, I loved that idea that, that, that she's been off and we don't even know everything that she's been doing. All the actors were looking for opportunities. Opportunities to find something new, to find something unexpected. I've really had fun this, this whole time. I've had a blast. I love Terry. I love the, the, the writers and the whole production staff and the crew are so lovely. I do think it's a generational thing. I think there's much better balance of, of female characters, much better balance. and. That's important. We've had Discovery, we've had all these other wonderful shows, and I feel you've had some incredible female characters. 
And that's super. So yes, I'd love to join the riot on that and not just be only the doctor who's just diagnosing, but actually someone who knows how to do all kinds of things. The character is more fully realized, I believe. You see more facets of who she is. And um, you see her strengths, and you see her intellect, and um, you also see her love. Uh, I feel it's been a gift. I've really enjoyed, I've really had fun this, this whole time. Get us the hell out of here. I am thrilled to welcome two very dear friends to the Ready Room today. My captain for 35 years, Patrick Stewart, and of course my space mom, Gates Aww. McFadden. Space son, I love you. <laughs> I love you too. I'm so happy that you are both here. It's just always a big deal for me when any of us are together in the same place. And it's just been so rare for the last several years. I'm just really happy to be in the same room with both of you. It's lovely to see you. Thanks for being here. Likewise. It's really a nice feeling. I love it. It's a beautiful feeling. Mm. Um, I, I miss our collective. It, it doesn't happen often enough yeah. that we can be together. Yeah. And uh, sometimes I will watch an episode just so that I can see everybody. <laughs> I do the same thing. I'm glad I'm not the only one. Sometimes I feel a little weird doing that, but it I'm glad. I guess, oh, I mean, it's weird. Yeah. Okay, but we're weird together, which makes it cool. <laughs> um, uh, I, I have so much that I want to talk to you about just life in general, but I'm going to stay on the cards and talk about this episode. Gates, when did Beverly Crusher become this crazy badass? When did that happen? I think for the last 20 some years, she's been doing martial arts and, you know, okay. a lot of things like that. No, I know. What a surprise. This eh? whole other side of her we know nothing about. At the very top of this episode, when we like first kind of crash into Dr. Crusher, kind of like in media's res, right? Like there is just crazy action going on. Yeah. I don't recall you doing that level of intense physical action when we were on the series. Am I, not, am I not remembering You're it correctly? You're not remembering Space Okay, rem remind you me. Might remind be me. Off. You might be with the Traveler by then. So kicking ass is not new for you. No, I love that. Cool. Talk to me about kicking ass in this episode. I just loved it. You couldn't have given me a better gift than to come back doing action. I love doing action. I loved, though, the fact that she was in the universe in a way that was really still exploring new planets, new places, places that not everybody went to a lot, and uh, doing no harm, trying to help people with uh, medical supplies and, and things like that. Very complicated what unfolds for her, why she went off, why she left the Federation, but really interesting. Um, we'll, see, we'll see how it unfolds. I know how it unfolds, but... The, the revelation that Picard and Beverly have not spoken in 20-something years, 30-something years, was a was like cold water to the face for me. Because I just presumed, well, of course we all talk to each other. I had no idea. They have not been in touch for such a very long time, yet Picard gets this message and just springs into action. Like, she needs me. I'm here. I'm ready to go. Um, well, no. It wasn't that fast. It, no, it wasn't, actually. Really? Yeah. Okay, correct I, me. I, I was very pleased that there were tortured moments for him, yeah. that he didn't know what he should do. Okay. And should has always been a big uh, and significant word for Jean-Luc. And her request, and it was a weird request with its conditions attached to it. No, Starling. Trust no one. 
Yes, of course. The first impulse was, I must go to her. But then, no, there's something about this that doesn't feel right. And having been ignored for 20 years, uh, why should I put myself back in that? So there were, there were other elements. I I'm, I'm, I'm expect that we will, we will find out some details about this as the season unfolds. But just I'm curious to know, as you did your preparation for, for this, um, when we're talking about characters that we've known for 30 plus years, there's good reasons that they have not spoken to each other that the audience doesn't yet know. And you need to imbue your performances with all of that. Um, did I imagine that each character has their own version of events? Is that fair to say? Yes. For me, I, I, I found it exciting because, you know, at the end of the, the two movies, Crusher was not really, I didn't feel she was very present in those movies. And so suddenly there was a whole world and, and years I could construct and with the writers, with all of the ideas, obviously, of the producers. And that was fun because it was someone who was learning, who was out there who was probably chasing Wesley Crusher somewhere. Where is the traveler? I don't know what she was doing. But the fact was that she was a a scientist, which is what you see also coming through in this whole season of Picard. She's a scientist. We're all together working towards solutions, and we're collaborating, all of us. (laughs) (laughs) Nice work, you two. Um, So Picard has... I guess we're going to say a difficult relationship with Beverly, but not at all with Riker. Um, <laughs> and the reunion of Picard and Riker so funny. that eventually leads to the being in bunk beds on the Titan. So hilarious. This is utterly humiliating. I just wondered if you would speak just a little bit about the relationship between Picard and Riker and where you maybe find it right now as we begin the third season and the kind of the final chapter of this journey. The most important element of the work that Jean-Luc did was attention to duty. And duty was a very, very important matter for him. Mm -hmm. It was primary, except where it concerned Commander Riker. And Riker, and I learned this from quite early on in season one of TNG, he liberates Picard. I don't feel comfortable with children. But since a captain needs an image of geniality, you're to see that's what I project. Aye, sir. Welcome to the Enterprise, Commander Riker. We all have had relationships of that kind where being with someone frees us, Mm. eases us, relaxes us. And that's how it is with Jonathan. I love every single actor and actress in our Star Trek group. They're an extraordinary group of people and I miss them when I don't see them. But there is something that penetrated the work as well when it came to Riker. Mm-hmm. because I think Jean-Luc just trusted him, which is why when there is a disruption in uh, season three, it, it's awful. That moment when Picard and Riker are in the bar together 
We never got to do things like that. We never got to have these kind of like completely outside of Starfleet moments where we're like friends getting together and we need to lean on each other for things. And it's one of the things that I've loved about Picard. I love it about Discovery and Strange New Worlds, the more human interaction sides of these characters. There was something really beautiful about these two men sitting down to just have a drink together and kind of figure out where they were going to go and what's going to come up. And then... When the three of you are together, I start to feel kind of like it's coming back together. The strongest pieces of each person's personality are all supported by having these people around them. That scene with the, with you and Johnny, it, what was so beautiful was there was just this loyalty, loyalty and respect that was there that was never talked about, but it was just there. And it, that's what's so beautiful. To have that just come across so easily. Yeah, we, we both, I think speaking for Jonathan, say we felt it, mm. both of us. But you know, there's a very famous line from the last episode of TNG. Yes. When I, I crash the poker session. Yes. <laughs> and there's a moment um, which moves me every time I've seen it. It even moves me when I think about it. When Picard quietly said, I should have done this a long time ago. You are always welcome. I knew that was the yeah, line. Yeah. Yes, of course. I, and, uh, yeah, it's very powerful. That was there for a lot of Picard, I mm. found. Picard and, uh, and, and Riker come onto the Bridge of the Titan, and here's Seven. Picard's relationship with Seven has grown and changed uh, over these two seasons of the show. There's this terrific moment where she drops being respectful to the Admiral and says, I'm talking to my friend. I thought that said a great deal about the relationship between the two of them. Would you talk a little bit about Jerry Ryan and about the relationship that exists between these two characters? It was a relationship that took a long time to develop. I'm not sure that Picard initially felt he could trust her and have absolute assurance that she was safe. I mean, safe to be around with and then, of course, it becomes much more personal, and he understands her value. And this was something that I think Jean-Luc did rather well. Sir, waiting your orders to take us out. Why don't you do us the honor, Commander Henson? I, sir? I learned from it, certainly, that you learn about how, what are the areas where you feel safe with somebody that you're with, whether it's an intimate relationship or it's friendship or it's business or whatever. It's interesting to me. There are so many times in my life that Jean-Luc Picard has been inspiring to me. There were so many times over the years where you as a person guided me without even knowing you were doing it. And it is so incredibly interesting to me to hear from you, the person without whom Picard does not exist, talk about learning something from him. That's really inspiring to me, just as an actor and as a creator. Like, yes, we can learn from our characters. They can teach us things that maybe we didn't Absolutely. see. You had talked a little bit about Beverly going out of Starfleet now. And she says, don't trust anybody, especially Starfleet. That's a little unsettling. But she's out on, she very clearly is on a new path that seems to me to be taking the Hippocratic Oath to its extreme. Like, do absolutely no harm 
and get out there and like serve the greater good. Agree? Disagree? Well, I think it's complicated. I, I, I think I can't really talk about all of the the reasons why she's out there. I think it's very complex. I feel she she comes aboard with a mixture of feeling that she failed. She did not protect this ship and she was being hunted and she she did the best she could, but is it locked as, as some fan tweeted, get her out of that fridge, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> that is, that is, um, you know, I have to say that that is, a, that's that pretty I, good. I'm actually really glad to hear someone say that. That is something that, that we in the genre world absolutely need to talk about. Beverly would never call out halfway across the galaxy in order to save only herself. And who's this? Her son. This is kind of a weird way for me to find out that I have a half-brother that nobody ever told me about. I'm not going to lie. It was weird that I had to find out about it on TV. <laughs> but let's talk about uh, Beverly's son. You didn't um, get the Christmas card then. The Christmas card that sort of... Uh, the Christmas card that says, by the way, I've had a secret yeah. son for the last 20-something <laughs> years that nobody ever knew about. Yeah. I want to know about... We're, like, we're going to see so much more of him, and I've seen so much more of this season, and I don't want to get ahead of myself no. and spoil things. He is so wonderful. Ed Spilliers. He was so much fun to act with. Very often, we were very silly. I mean, I have a couple of moments of memory and just shaking with laughter, and we're looking at each other like, stop it, stop it. Um, he's just a, a dream to work with. I had, I will admit, I had a couple of moments of sibling rivalry as I was watching this Good. episode. Good. Good for you. <laughs> and I just kept thinking, like, well, that could have been Wesley. Wesley could have done that. You Actually, the, no, it couldn't have been. <laughs> you have the best sweaters, though. I, he, doesn't, he doesn't have your good I sweaters. I really do. Yeah, it's, um, that's right. Nobody rocks those sweaters quite, quite like I did. Seven seasons of Next Generation, all the movies, two seasons of Picard. This season feels really special. What do you think it is about this season like all of us feel it going into it. Now, I know that you have inside knowledge that gives you a different perspective than those of us that are just waiting for it. Something feels special about this. What convinced me that I should do this back in the early days, a few years ago, mm -hmm. it became clear to me that while 20, 25 years had passed for all of us before we returned to this world, but it had also passed for the characters. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that we've pulled off in a very interesting way, particularly in season one, was how are these people changed? I am not the man I was when I was 40 or 45 or 50. I know I wasn't. The value of things, the importance of things, have reared up in front of me. And they're not values that I would have had 25 years ago. Writers and my fellow producers included them in this new series, in Picard. It must be tremendously satisfying to bring your personal experience to him that much later. I don't get to do that with Wesley. Like, like I don't get to touch it. You know, I don't, I, don't get, I don't get to reinterpret him anymore. But you get to do that with Picard. You get to do that with Beverly. It was very moving to me the sense of collaboration, especially in today's world where people just have forgotten how to collaborate, it seems to me, there was such generosity. You know, it just felt natural to suddenly see Riker and to see 
once we passed the first initial scenes, it was like, yes, of course, we're going to be working towards whatever we need to work on. That has to do with wisdom and and getting older, I think. You know, it wasn't mm-hmm. sort of about, I have to prove. We have one conversation about something, and then we're on with what do we have to deal with in this situation that's fraught with danger. And that's wonderful. That's the way I think people who've had some experience and had 25 years of growth might function, perhaps. I think of that is uh, always a possibility, but it's been addressed in Picard, I think, very sensitively and marvelously by the actors who have had to bring something which is so internal and, and that never leaves somebody who's experiencing it and to bring it out and share those feelings I, I've been so impressed with that. This episode, episode one, ends on a tremendous cliffhanger. We've gone through all this great emotional experience. We, uh, we are out in space. We're ready to go. Here comes the biggest, most terrifying ship we've seen in Star Trek in an unbelievably long time. It looks like there is quite a bit of action in our near future. Is there anything that you want to tease about this upcoming season uh, without spoiling things for our dear friends in the audience? I don't know how to do that. <laughs> I so much want you to try to tease the season without spoiling it, just because I want to, it's going to be fun. To, it's going to be, we're going to do it together. It's going to be really fun. Tell me about something you're excited about. Tell me something about my brother that, 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 I, that, that I don't know that's, real, that, that's exciting. Well, you know how you used to be sarcastic? Yes. Okay, well, he's inherited that trait. Oh, good. (laughs) Oh, good. I'm so happy to hear that. I guess if I was smart, I would have said, well, that's great. (laughs) Yeah, he's inherited. Some of your bad traits, he's definitely inherited. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. Is there anything non-spoilery that you would like to say about this upcoming season? There are transformations. There are changes. And I don't want to frighten our audience, our fans, by suggesting that we are transforming the whole Star Trek uh, franchise. We're not. Okay. Um, But the steps that we take to introduce new elements into the show are thrilling. This is really exciting. This is an incredibly exciting moment for all of us in Star Trek fandom. It's a really exciting moment for me as a next generation uh, uh, emeritus (laughs) alumni, I guess. Um, And I'm just really happy that you came here to talk to us about So, thanks. Any chance to see you, Space Son. I love it, Space Mom. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. In this week's episode, William Riker boards the Titan, a starship that shares its name with his first command. What Starfleet ship did Riker and the original Titan save from a Packlet attack? Was it A, the USS Ares, B, the USS Melbourne, C, the USS Cerritos, or D, the USS Drake? Don't boldly go anywhere. Stay tuned for the answer. Now that the final season of Star Trek Picard has kicked off in such a big way, there's nobody better to be chatting with than Star Trek Picard executive producer and showrunner Terry Metalis. Terry, welcome to the Ready Room. Uh, I, I am so thrilled to be here. It's surreal to be on the set. This thing that I've watched 
dozens and dozens of times. Uh, you began your Star Trek journey with Voyager and Enterprise. Yes. And now you are coming back to the TNG timeline uh, with Star Trek Picard. Talk to me about returning to the franchise. What's it feel like? Uh, I, I, was a, I was a PA on Voyager. Yeah. Um, and then uh, an assistant on Enterprise. But I would, whenever they would make a next-gen movie, I would sneak onto the set. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's absolutely surreal to have left Star Trek and, you know, obviously done television and yeah. then to come back to it and then do this story is extraordinary. We talk about how this could very well be the wrap-up right. of the Picard story and the Next Generation timeline. What's that? That's a lot. It is a lot. And, and, and it's an honor. It's a responsibility. Yes. So when you're thinking about all of those things, what is that? Just put me in your head for a minute and talk about uh, like, like getting ready for that. Well, there's pure terror is sure. the first thing that, that happens. Uh, you know, I always felt like there wanted to be one more movie after Nemesis, a wrap okay. up, a sort of the, the next gen's version of Undiscovered Country. Like a coda to our... Coda, yeah, a sure, send off okay. for them. Yeah. Um, all Good Things is like the greatest last episode of, of, of any science fiction saga ever. But they did make those movies. Yeah. And it would be interesting to see those characters now. You know, uh, what is it like to see Geordi as a father? You know, what is it like uh, to to deal with with the Rikers and some of the issues that they, they've had? And where is Beverly Crusher out there? All those questions. Yeah. Um, so much time has passed. How have they grown? How have they stayed the same? Worf, we could go on forever for Worf. So there was a lot of pressure in figuring out uh, where they where they were. And so the goal was to tell one final coming together of those characters. Mm -hmm. um, and certainly we've left the door open in ways I can't spoil for more to stay in this timeline and, and uh, see more of these characters. Um, but if it is indeed the last, yeah. then you have to ask yourself, what do you want to see? before it's all over. What do you really want to see? And so there's a lot of discussion about that. So that was the goal. What's one final story for, for this cast? And, and how does everyone play a part that um, has impact? There's, this is difficult to talk about. There's a really delicate needle to thread. I imagine yes. that you have a lot of permission to kind of explore things, maybe answer questions, maybe resolve character arcs that have existed for a very, very long time. Yes, I, th I, I think I know the one you're sp kind of dancing yeah, around. Yeah, so um, like... That was a that's this thing that that's that's come that, that will happen this year. I mean, yes. it's not a surprise, audience, that big things are going to happen. Big this things year, will happen. Right? We'll see characters that have not necessarily been announced. Yeah. In, in the thing, um, and it mostly comes from again. It's like, what do you want to see? And yeah. um, that particular story was felt like a big hanging chad. Yeah. Um, and wow, if you could come back and now do that, all these years later, and finally tell that story i know we're being vague everybody but it's once you see this we'll, you'll double back and you'll realize how cool this is it's um, extremely satisfying to go back and watch something yeah. uh, after you know what we're talking about right. like i do this with other shows i i, <laughs> I, really I showed i showed it i showed it to a friend of mine who's a fan and the gasp was so loud when that moment happened and it was exactly again we didn't want to promote it and yeah. anyway it, it, yes would you talk to me a bit about the decision like, okay, 
we're getting, we're going to bring everybody back together and selling that and getting buy-in from us. You know, it, it starts with Patrick. It starts with sitting down with Patrick and, yeah. and saying, and, and he was lovely about it and said, you know, I think we've earned it. I think it's time. He had always said uh, in season two when I came on, the first thing I said was, who can we bring back and whatnot? And he's like, I think by the end, I'd like to have everybody on. Yeah. And I think the idea was sort of to, to space them out. But to do it as an event felt right yeah. to me, to sort of make this feel like a next generation film you never saw. Yeah. And what's kind of great about it is uh, if, if there was, say, one final next gen movie, you'd, at most it would be three hours. And you wouldn't have the chance to really deep dive on all of these characters and where they are and have their own stories. Um, so that's what's remarkable about having 10 hours to do it with is to really spend the time with these characters. But, um, yeah, there was a lot of sign-offs because um, it meant fundamentally changing the show as you knew it. Yeah. Um, and we weren't able to bring everyone back from seasons one and two because – there needed to be the narrative room to tell these stories. Uh-huh. Um, and so that's challenging if, to a studio and a fan base. It's like, but I just watched these two. And, and it's, it's challenging for me and heartbreaking. But it felt right. And everybody felt that as well. And so that's what made it possible. Um, want to talk about my space mom. I, I figured. I figured. Who wouldn't? <laughs> so talk to me about building that story. I... Um, we can't talk about what she is doing because yeah. the, the episode hasn't aired yet. Right. Um, but talk to me about building up where, where she is and what she's been doing and why. Yeah. I think the first thing was you wanted to find her in an unexpected place. You, you, you know, certainly all good things suggested she had her own ship, the Pasteur, and she yeah. was. Um, but uh, that didn't quite feel right. But it also wouldn't feel right if she wasn't a doctor. Yeah. So. The idea of her being this doctor without borders, maybe not necessarily part of Starfleet, but goes to worlds that Starfleet has forgotten. You know, it's a big galaxy out there. Um, Seemed really exciting and dangerous and filled with drama. And it's also, to me, Beverly's a character who never really got her due, I I felt like, certainly in the feature films. And it's a fascinating character. So that felt like a rich opportunity to tell more of that story. And so I, I... I said to Gates, I said, look, I have this image in my head. The first person you see in season one is uh, Beverly Crusher popping into frame, um, waking up as her ship is being attacked. And she said, well, what do I do? I'm like, you're going to kick a little ass. We're going to see you do something. And she was like, I am in. And That's that, fe- that felt fun, that. too. I can totally but again, you, that. Do, you don't want to it's you don't want it to be a character betrayal where suddenly she's Ripley and she's just right. Sure. She's doing the right thing. But she's yeah. still a doctor. Yeah. And we see her do some really phenomenal doctor sick bay moments this season. But it, 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 it was exciting sort of to reinvent Beverly Crusher a little bit. She there's a there's a moment in the season where she says a lot has happened in the last 20 years. Yeah, uh, and they're, they look at her a little bit differently. Um, but that's also what's exciting. Again, and it continues with Jordy and Worf right. and, 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 the, and throughout. There's so much ahead of us now. There's so much, like, we know. Yeah. They don't know. Right, right. It's just, I feel like I've bought all the presents for my kids, <laughs> you know, and they're all wrapped right. up and ready to go. And now they're just going to sit there and they're just going to have to wait. I know how complicated it is on the set. I know how high the stakes are. I know how expensive every minute is. Yeah. Did you get to... 
I don't know, celebrate that. High five yourself through time. Take a victory lap. Really enjoy, like, what a wonderful, special thing I'm part of that I got to help make. Oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, Yes, that for sure. However, I was mostly terrible. I wanted the the pressure of making this great is overwhelming on those days and just getting through because you don't have, it's not a feature film, you don't have days and days to just perfect the scene. You're like, you have three hours to get this right. And I imagine if I if I know us the way that I think yes. I do, <laughs> they fell right into it, right? Oh, absolutely. Like they like we'd never left. Yes. And sometimes there would be glorious, ridiculous goofing off until yeah. it's time to roll, and then we know oh, it. When and then, when yeah. when they were together, yeah. nonstop. Yeah. yeah. And I have now. I used to love to watch the behind the scenes and watch all this stuff, but now I'm the director, and I'm I'm like guys, we have. Right. I don't want to stop you singing. Yeah. You legendary characters of science fiction and stuff. <laughs> but if I don't get this shot, so it's all very. I mean, I could you could write volumes on it. But it, I look, it's an honor to 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 do this and yeah. surreal, and, and you just hope you're worthy of it. So it's, I think you're worthy of it. Well, I, that means a lot. Thank you um, so much. And I I've loved this season. And uh, I told you before we rolled, I will tell you in, in public. You're taking such good care of Star Trek, and oh. it really, really matters to me. Well, I, and I know it matters to the that, audience as well. I cannot tell you what that means to me. It's, I mean, I could, but I'll cry, and I can't do that. We're on that's fair. Streaming. And that's fair. We need, we need to look like uh, second you know, we cut. Tough guys. I'm gonna take my glasses off. And okay. Ball, so okay. outstanding. Um, well, let's get to crying. Thanks for being here, Jerry. Right. <laughs> it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. In this week's episode, William Riker boards the Titan, a starship that shares its name with his first command. What Starfleet ship did Riker and the original Titan save from a Packlet attack? The USS Ares, the USS Melbourne, the USS Cerritos, or the USS Drake? And the answer is... C, the USS Cerritos. Captain Riker and the crew of the USS Titan came to the rescue of the USS Cerritos in the Star Trek Lower Decks Season 1 finale episode, No Small Parts causing the ever-excitable Ensign Boimler to exclaim, It's the Titan! Ever since Jean-Luc Picard asked William Riker to help him not make an ass of himself around children more than 35 years ago, the two Starfleet legends have been his closest family. And, like all family relationships, they've had their ups and downs. In the end, they always come away with a greater respect and love for one another. Let's take a closer look at the brotherhood between the captain of the Enterprise and his loyal number one. Hell of a view. The kind we spent half a lifetime chasing. And the other half missing the chase. Well, are you enjoying this? Of course not. Are you? From the very beginning, the relationship between Riker and Picard was different from any other relationships that he had. Commander Riker, sir. And that wasn't just on camera either. To be back with Sir Patrick has been uh, one of the great joys of my Star Trek career, and I've, I think Terry Metalis to thank. Reminds me of my cadet days. Only I don't remember having to get up to pee this much. When we were shooting season two, uh, I was hanging out with Jonathan Frakes a lot because he was directing the episodes, and one of the first things I said was, how much I really wanted to do Butch and Sundance with Picard and Riker. I'm not sure about this plan. 
Because it's not really a plan, it's a ruse. Yeah, that's the part I don't like. That that would be the kickoff of, of, of a season and, and see that dynamic of them back in the game. Your hands are stiff, my knees are killing me. So long as we don't have to move or shoot, we should be fine. He developed this wonderful arc where I hook back up with Picard and the two of us go on a mission together. Ready? It's a lot like going back in time. The very, very first time I appeared in front of the camera as Captain Picard, I didn't say a line of dialogue. I just looked at somebody and then walked away. And when they called cut, Jonathan Frakes yelled out, So, that's what they call a British face acting, is it? And that underlined and emphasized the way that my relationship with Jonathan progressed. I think the resemblance is rather striking. Wouldn't you agree, number one? He became, quite quickly, a much-loved, trusted, and inspirational colleague. In many ways, it feels as if we'd never left. I mean, God knows we're a lot older, but we have the same mutual respect. There's a undying friendship between us as actors and friends and characters. Thank you, Will. What for? Oh, for so many things. It's what made the work that we did for seven years and then four feature films so differently interesting from what it can often be on camera. And I think that it was one of the aspects that people particularly loved. I'm so happy to be with you. I, so, I, feel, I feel so much. Really? Yeah. yeah, feels great. It's feels like it's ever stopped. Yeah, right? It's better. As many characters in the show in season three have changed, Riker and Picard, I mean, Picard's changed, but Riker is essentially the same guy, just a lot older and with a white beard. If you are as psyched seeing Jean-Luc Picard, William Riker, and Beverly Crusher back in action as I am and can't wait for more, then I'm about to be your favorite person in the world because I have an exclusive clip from next week's episode just for you. And her life signs are fading. We need to get Admiral! another Titan. Change of plan. We just lost the shuttle. We're trapped here. I know that it looks bad, but 35 years of Star Trek have given me the indication that it's probably going to work out okay for our heroes. Thank you for beginning Star Trek Picard's final journey with me here in the Ready Room. I cannot wait to experience the emotional roller coaster ride of this final season together. Next week, we'll be looking at Season 3, Episode 2 of Star Trek Picard, titled Disengage. And I'll be joined by Ed Spilliers, who plays Beverly Crusher's son and Wesley's younger brother, Jack. Until then, I'm Will Wheaton. Live long. Shortly after we finished this episode of The Ready Room, our Star Trek family lost a beloved member. It's Annie Wershing, who played the Borg Queen in season two of Star Trek Picard, 
passed away. It was my privilege and my honor to interview Annie here in the Ready Room during her time on Picard. This was the only time we shared more than a moment or a quick hello, but I instantly liked her. I felt this kind, gentle, enthusiastic warmth just radiating from her. I saw Annie just one other time at a big Star Trek convention. She was wearing this green, glittery crown. It was beautiful, and it suited her. Her Picard castmates were there, and I didn't want to intrude, so I said hello, and then I stayed out of their way. They all looked so happy together. And I saw this bond among them that I recognized. A bond that forms in casts when we are lucky. It is a bond that makes us more than co-workers. They were lucky. I very much hoped that I would get to know Annie a little bit more. You've heard me say it so many times. Star Trek is a family. And those of us who are fortunate enough to be part of that family, we share a common language that is expressed in more than words. It is an understanding of this very specific, very special bond that unites us. On behalf of all of us at the Ready Room, our hearts go out to Annie's family and to everyone who knew and loved her. May her memory be a blessing.